On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, um, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. <clears throat> First Peter 1, 3-9 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. <coughs> Heavenly God, we come and we are, let's just imagine all of ourselves truly approaching you. You are a real being. You are truly here in our lives and in our world and we approach you. And yet we are unfinished business and some of us feel like in some ways like we haven't even started or that we're at rock bottom and we're ready 
for something completely new to begin. We come with failures on top of the impulses of beauty and wonder um, that you have placed inside of us. And you see, all, uh, you see all of it. You see the brokenness, you see the failure, but you also see the, um, the incredible marvel and beauty and mosaic of how you have made us and how you have created a work of art in each of us and in us City Life Church. And we thank you that as we approach you, you see all of that, you know all of it, and you found a way to see through the failure, the brokenness, even the sense of the dirtiness or the shame or the guilt or embarrassment. And you see through all of it without any naivete. And you found a way to redeem and restore the beauty in us and in your church, your original intention for us to thrive as people made to walk with you, made to be in union with you, made to be your image bearers. As we bring our, really our filthy rags to you today, would you meet us and help us and make us new in Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. <clears throat> the Ragman by Walter Wangerin. I saw a strange sight, like nothing my life, my street sense, my sly tongue had ever prepared me for. Hush, child, hush now, and I will tell it to you. Even before the dawn, one Friday morning, I noticed a young man, handsome and strong, walking the alleys of our city. He was pulling an old cart filled with clothes, clothes both bright and new, and he was calling in a clear tenor voice, Rags! Ah, the air was foul in the first light filthy to be crossed by such sweet music. Rags! New rags for old! I take your tired rags! Rags! Now this, this is a wonder, I thought to myself, for the man stood six feet four, and his, his arms were like tree limbs, hard and muscular, and his eyes flashed intelligence. Could he find no better work than this to be a ragman in the inner city? I followed him. My curiosity drove me. And, and I wasn't disappointed. Soon the ragman saw a woman sitting on her back porch. She was sobbing into a handkerchief, sighing and shedding a thousand tears. Her knees and elbows made a sad X. Her shoulders shook, her heart breaking. The ragman stopped his cart. Quietly, he walked to the woman 
stepping around tin cans, dead toys, and pampers. Give me your rag, he said so gently, and I'll give you another. He slipped the handkerchief from her eyes. She looked up, and he laid across her palm a linen cloth so clean and new that it shined. She blinked from the gift to the giver. Then as he began to pull his card again, the ragman did a strange thing. He put her stained handkerchief to his own face. And then he began to weep, to sob as grievously as she had done, his shoulders shaking. Yet she was left without a tear. This is a wonder, I breathed to myself, and I followed the sobbing ragman like a child who cannot turn away from mystery. Rags! Rags! New rags for old! In a little while, when the sky showed gray behind the rooftops and I could see the shredded curtains hanging out black windows, the ragman came upon a girl whose head was wrapped in a bandage, whose eyes were empty. Blood soaked her bandage. A single line of blood ran down her cheek. Now the tall ragman looked upon this child with pity and he drew a lovely yellow bonnet from his cart. Give me your rag he said, tracing his own line on her cheek, and I'll give you mine. The child could only gaze at him while he loosened the bondage, the bandage, removed it, and tied it to his own head. The bonnet he set on hers, and I gasped at what I saw, for with the bandage went the wound against his brow it ran a darker, more substantial blood, his own. Rags! Rags! I, I take old rags! cried the sobbing, bleeding, strong, intelligent ragman. The sun hurt both the sky now and my eyes. The ragman seemed more and more to hurry. Are you going to work? He asked a man who leaned against a telephone pole. The man shook his head. The ragman pressed him. Do you have a job? Are you crazy? Sneered the other. He pulled away from the pole, revealing the right sleeve of his jacket. Flat, the cuff stuffed into his pocket. He had no arm. So, said the ragman. Give me your jacket, and I'll give you mine. Such quiet authority in his voice. The one-armed man took off his jacket, so did the ragman, and I trembled at what I saw, for the ragman's arm stayed in its sleeve. When the other put it on, he had two good arms, thick as tree limbs. But the ragman had only one. Go, go to work, he said. 
After that, he found a drunk lying unconscious beneath an army blanket. An old man, hunched, shriveled, and sick. He took that blanket and wrapped it round himself, but for the drunk, he left new clothes. And now I had to run to keep up with the ragman, though he was weeping uncontrollably and bleeding freely at the forehead, pulling his cart with one arm, stumbling for drunkenness, falling again and again, exhausted, old, and sick. Yet he went with terrible speed. On spider's legs, he skittered through the alleys of the city, this mile and then the next, until he came to its limits. And then he rushed beyond. I wept to see the change in this man. I hurt to see his sorrow. And yet I needed to see where he was going in such haste, perhaps to just to know what drove him so. The little old ragman, he came to a landfill. He came to the garbage pits. And then I wanted to help him in what he did, but ah, I hung back, hiding. He climbed a hill. With tormented labor, he cleared a little space on that hill. Then he sighed. He lay down. He pillowed his head on a handkerchief and a jacket. He covered his bones with an army jacket. And then he died. Oh, how I, I cried to witness that death. I slumped in a junked car and wailed and mourned as, as one who has no hope because I had, against all odds, I had come to love the ragman. Every other face had faded in the wonder of this man and I cherished him, but he died. I sobbed myself to sleep. I did not know, how could I know that I slept through Friday night and Saturday and it's night too. But then on Sunday morning, I was wakened by a violence. Light, pure, hard, demanding light slammed against my sour face and I blinked and I looked and I saw the last and first wonder of all. There was the ragman folding the blanket most carefully, a scar on his forehead, but alive. And besides that, healthy, there was no sign of sorrow nor of age. And all the rags that he had gathered shined for cleanliness. Well, then I lowered my head and trembling for all that I had seen, I myself walked up to the ragman. I told him my name with shame, for I was a sorry figure next to him. 
Then I took off all my clothes in that place. And I said to him, with dear yearning in my voice, dress me. He dressed me. My Lord, he, he put new rags on me. And I am a wonder beside him. The ragman. The ragman. The Christ. Friends, as we ponder this evocative and provocative tale told by Walter Wangerin in his literary genius to help us see Jesus better, help us see God better, take a moment of silence, about a minute, and just begin what may be a journey of pondering what Jesus is saying to you through this story. I have three possible prompts that may help you. Let me just say these and then we'll take a minute of silence. What rags do you have to present to the ragman? What's holding you back from asking him to dress you? Are you prepared to meet others today, tomorrow, with the attention that the ragman gave the strangers in this story?